Oh my goodness. I got to catch my breath, guys. Listen, guys, Michelle today, she went hard on the hymn sing. We did a hymn sing today, and me and Michelle did a duet. And I mean, she was singing, and then she lost her voice on the last song. I was like, Michelle, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. I don't sing that much anymore. Well, I figured being a Pentecostal, you're used to like three hour services. Well, yeah, I was 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> that All was right, just Michelle, now I'm gonna I break don't my own even... rule. What? I'm gonna break my own rule. This is what two packs does. <laughs> Did you? Leah's gonna get after you guys. That's well, all I, I can say. You know, I tried to be very careful about that. <laughs> you mom is going to get him. That oh, one boy. was in there. That one I just like I couldn't, it was hanging. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. 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 Michelle Michelle did this to herself. <laughs> so I haven't she, smoked in so long. That has nothing to do with it. My lungs have regenerated. I know. I know. Yeah. So I'll tell you what does have to do with it is that I run around on Sundays like a crazy person and I don't always even get to sing all four songs. Because if I preach, I have learned I cannot go up and worship with gusto for two services and preach two services or I am done. Yeah. Yeah. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is hard. It takes a lot out of you. That's why Ray in that video says, do you have your beverage? You're going to want your beverage. Everybody get your beverage because you're about to pass out. Welcome to church. Do you want to die? Oh my word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do escalate quickly. Okay, guys. I uh our audio is a little weird and I'm blaming it on Michelle's headphones. Okay. Do you want me to take my headphones out? I don't know. Do you guys hear how it like gets real quiet all of a sudden? Did you yeah. did you see her neck roll just a minute ago? What I do? Right. You want me to take <laughs> them I out? Do that? I'll yes, have to go you, watch. Do you <laughs> want? Do you want me to take hey. my headphones out? Right. I'm a little overwhelmed. I've got two care things on my plate. I've added, um, you know, some events this week that I'm glad to do, but um, I'm feeling a little stretched. And then Erwin Dreyfall needed me to send him some measurements for the porch. And I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I am terrible at taking measurements. So people say that I round to the nearest quarter inch. And I honestly don't know whether you put the length, the width, the height first in the little three numbers. <laughs> I don't think that matters. You just put high. I just put an eight. So it'd be like 23 high. Oh, well, that would have been simple. That's not what I did. <laughs> you know, uh, 10 inches long. Or Irwin, I said, I'm sorry, I'm on the run. And if this is not helpful, I'll try again. <laughs> so funny. I'm not usually ditzy, but measurements are not my thing, guys. Well, it's okay. Me and Michelle were running a little late because we were um, getting into the... Uh, hymns of glorious praise circa what was it 1969 
Yes, sir. Well, I think yes. that hymnal she had looked like it came from Walnut Grove. Yeah. It did not. It's Gospel did. Publishing House. Good we Pentecostal did. Publishing House. Yeah, it was great. It was a hymn sing with our Celebrate Experience people. But here's the thing, guys. It inspired me um, to play a game with you. Because I love games. I love them. I love them. East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far. Welcome, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5, Podcast, featuring the local pastors of Irmo, South Carolina. Oh, We're here. To discuss overnight AM now. Are we overnight AMing now? Yeah. We're Are we now. what? Yes. Doing like overnight AM radio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go? Shorthand. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You know what? Rob has a killer radio voice, actually. He can die, he can turn it on when he wants to. Well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Okay. So you gotta I'm too mad at Enterprise right now to turn on anything happy. Oh. So this podcast this is not gonna be fun. This podcast is not sponsored by Enterprise. Not at all. And if it was, but it wouldn't be anymore. Lucky for you guys, Diet Coke reached out to me before we started, and uh, I locked in a deal with them. <laughs> Grogu uh, protect, protect, attack, take naps. <laughs> so did Lucas Films. <laughs> all right. I can tell you're all so excited, and you can't even handle yourselves with excitement. It's just like getting out of control, but inspired by the hymn sing that me and Michelle just participated in, which Michelle made it all the way to the last song and then lost her voice. I'm going to play a hymnal song with you, song game with you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a few words. And really, this is going to tell us how much you love Jesus. No. (laughs) I'm going to say a few words. And then if you get the rest, if you can say the hymn and you know it, then you get a point. If you can't, then, you know, I don't know. I like prizes. I can't come up with prizes. Gambling is bad. So I can't, we can't do like a money, you know, on the table type thing. But I want to give you guys prizes. So maybe free coffee. (gasps) There you go. Free coffee. Yeah. Free coffee. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to read a few words. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. This one's going to be easy. All right. This is hymn number 32 in 1969 edition of the. Hey, 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 hey. She's got the book. I'm not looking at it. Hey, hey, hey. Hands in the air. Not looking at it. That's a good catch, though, Rob. Good catch. I'm not going to read the <laughs> Give it the right. hymn number. Name this hymn. And people online can do it, too. So online viewers, get your typers ready, okay? Get your typers ready. Here we go. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. Oh, for a thousand tongues? That's Is it. Is that the name of it? That's it. That's it. Right there. Oh, okay. It was easy. I'm just reading the first line. I'm just reading the first line. Wow. Okay. I always knew Michelle loved Jesus, but now it's confirmed. All right. Here we go. <laughs> at the same time. 
I'll share my cup of coffee with you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. This is my story. This is my song, praising my savior all the day long. You got to say the name of it. This is my story. This is my song, praising my savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my story? Nope. No. I knew that. I knew it was. Starts with a, ble a B. It's blessed. Blessed assurance. assurance. <laughs> Two for Michelle. Two for Michelle. Ray, you knew that. Why didn't you say that? I said it. I said blessed assurance. He said it, but it was. Up. The microphone didn't pick you up. Bleeped out. You've been having a problem with that. We need to check your internet. Yeah, maybe he's. All right. I'll, I'll concede that point to Ray if he said it first. That's, you know. I think, I think Ray's using foul language and it's bleeping him. <laughs> he's a sore loser. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is gonna be a good one. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. God holy, in- Holy, Michelle, <laughs> I told y'all she loved Jesus. Listen, she might've had a little stint with uh, biker bars and cigarettes, but other <laughs> than that, she's been on the straight and narrow. All right, Michelle doesn't get to do this one because she's stealing it and it's not fun anymore. Okay, I'm out. Right, Michelle. I want to go on record. I did not grow up in the church. And by the time I got there, everybody was yelling about this as the deer pants for the water and all these other like more contemporary songs. So, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Which is fair, but let's see if, okay. As the deer pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. As the deer. As the deer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay, here we go. This one's for real. On a hill far away. The old rugged cross. The old rugged cross. Yep. All right, Rob. There it is, Rob. See? Ray, where are you at? <laughs> okay, I got here we complacent. Go. There we go. Yeah. Ray, we expected better from you. All right. This is a hard one. All right, I hope the people watching this are typing in the answers quicker than us. All right, get your get your typers ready. Here we go. I hear the Savior say, thy strength is the, indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find me in thine all. all. You can't answer, Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought since Rob won when I was able to answer again. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'll be quiet off. now. All right. All right. Here we go. Michelle, you can. This is the only game in all the games we've ever you know what? done. We I should have just done let well you play. We should see what happens. Michelle's finally winning one. She's finally getting one. And here we go. Try to <laughs> take her out. Like, no. Well, let's be honest. She did pretty well on the biker bar one. Yeah, she did. She did do pretty good on that one. All right. It's music. I like music. Yeah. Of all, all right, kinds. Here we go. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay. The Philip, last... They're, they're not enjoying this as much as you and I are. I can just tell. Yeah. All right, here we go. They're not. I, I hope, I mean, this is pre-films, but I'm hoping the people online are enjoying this, typing it in. I hope so. 
They might not be, and then we'll never do this again. All right, here we go. I heard an old, old story, how a saved came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. Victory in Jesus. <laughs> you know, you don't want to know why I even know that song? Why? Uh, you, you guys remember, and I owned this CD. I probably have it somewhere. Do you remember when Matlock, got, what's his name? Um, Andy Griffith did the, uh, the the gospel CD? Yeah, okay. I, I bought it. I bought it online. Oh. I, I, I wrote in. I, I called in and bought it. He sang that song. That's cool. Well, here's the thing. No one else may care, but I just made my daddy really happy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Raise the right. No. Spare yeah. the rod, spoil the child. <laughs> Hit him with the hymnal. Hit him with the hymnal. Hit him with the hymnal. Okay, so this is really fun. Now we got that out of the way because I have to play a game. It's nice because it lets everybody get online. But okay, so let's talk about this sermon. This was we're in a new series, guys. Exodus. Now, Ray was in the hot seat, of course, and um, it was really kind of a series opener about the book of Exodus. Now he's killing us because Ray, we're gonna draw mm -hmm. this out for how many years are you drawing this out? Three years. <laughs> Nobody gets to miss. It's church. like a mini series. David Chase, he, he got his lessons from David Chase. Oh, yeah. It's like Star Wars. It's like Netflix and Disney combined. Yeah. Like Stranger Things is going to be done before we get done. Yep. This is, but this is going to be a, <laughs> sorry that Diet Coke is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me here. Well, they sponsored us, so I had to sip it. Um, so, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the series, aren't I? Exodus. <laughs> Let's get to some good discussion questions about this. Now, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, I'm looking at my notes here. Well, there was a lot that I enjoyed about it, but let me just read the statement that Ray hit at the very close to the beginning. He said, okay, by the way, we have to set it up and say, "In why do I set it up? Ray, why don't you set up? Why was Pharaoh upset about... Um, about the Israelites growing in numbers. Why don't you set it up while I gather my thoughts? Sure. Pharaoh, uh, the, the king, Pharaoh, was insecure. Um, and so therefore, he, 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 he came up with a way to pump fear into his people by basically saying, hey, they are becoming way too numerous for us. And, and, and at this rate, they will become a great nation and they will align themselves with our enemies and they'll take they'll overtake us let's not bother to remember that they've been in egypt for a few hundred years and that's never happened but let's not look at facts <laughs> let's just pump fear into the people yep you said, this was one of my notes that I had said, why was Pharaoh so concerned about the Israelites growing in numbers? And I wrote this down, and you might have said it, Ray, I honestly can't remember, but I wrote this down. How many leaders fail due to insecurity? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, right? Like, 
if, if you're out there and you're a leader, which is probably most of you, you're leading your family, you're leading, some of you might even be leading your parents. Um, some of you are leading businesses, whatever it may be, classrooms, um, uh, hospital floors or whatever it may be. Um, it's a, this book is a really quick challenge to check your insecurities check them and know where they are. I, I, I know I know that I have a lot because those insecurities can kind of become, or at least that's what I heard was, it can be a huge um, opportunity for Satan to come in and, and make you feel like you have to do something. You have to take power because power is being taken from you. You know, I mean, do you guys agree with that? Have you, maybe not even just for yourself, but have you experienced that in leadership? You guys have been in leadership for a long time. I related to that, Ray, when you did make a statement, I don't remember the exact statement because I get the two services confused and they're always a little different, but you did allude to that, the idea of the insecurity um, that Pharaoh was feeling. And I can't count the number of times that I have either found myself having to fight against that mm -hmm. uh, or been the recipient of um, what I would call a slash and burn campaign by leaders in my life, not, not currently, but leaders in my life in the past and other places where they're so insecure by the strength of the people around them or the perceived strength might even be a better way perceived. the way it was going with the, with the um, Israelites, that they just feel like they've got to destroy everything mm -hmm. and tear that person down. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting what fear will make us do mm -hmm. which is why it is not how believers in jesus christ should operate jesus says perfect love casts out fear mm -hmm. when you're loved you're secure mm -hmm. when you're loved you have no reason to be afraid right. but when you replace love with fear you will do a whole lot of things that you will later regret. You'll say things mm -hmm. and think things that you ought not think. Yeah, you, you made a statement in there too that said this doesn't happen. And, it, and I love it. These are little passing statements, but you said this doesn't happen when you're trying to care for people well. If Pharaoh's goal was to care for people well, if his goal was to just make sure that his, whoever was under his authority and leadership was well cared for. This would never happen. But instead, what it reveals is his ultimate goal was power and control. Domination. Domination. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? Did that, have you experienced that? I mean, we don't have to share something. By the way, those of you who watch this, they, the people on this podcast don't know the questions I'm going to ask them. We just kind of freestyle this. So you don't have to have any, but. Yeah, I mean, I just think that people who are insecure, you know, tend to act larger than life to make up for what they're feeling. And, you know, sometimes that's a hard thing for me to remember because people will come across angry or pushy or however that is. And I always find I have to remind myself, okay, the flip side of that is insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, those kinds of things bother me. 
Um, I think because, you know, I have seen leaders in my life over my lifetime power up on people over and over again, mm -hmm. that I get a little fear when somebody's doing that. And, you know, it, it really is a conscious effort to say, okay, that is fear on their part. And I don't need to participate in that way of thinking. Unfortunately, with, when you're talking about a leader like Pharaoh or, you know, some other crazy political leader over a country, there is reason to fear for their insecurity. But most of the time, you know, we just have to learn how to look past that with people. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I like, Ray, how you brought it up, you pointed out, that it was kind of a slow burn to get there. Somewhere along the way, someone failed to tell the story of Joseph appropriately. Yeah. Like somebody, you know, whether it's Pharaoh's dad, was it several generations before and the slow burn finally hit when we got to this Pharaoh, but somewhere along the way, the, story, the narrative got turned because let's remember, this is the group of people that were represented by a guy who came and saved their country. Right. <laughs> and provided right. all of these amazing blessings <laughs> because he had heard from God and then followed through with action. And that Pharaoh mm -hmm. trusted him so much, he gave him ultimate authority. And so now mm -hmm. here we are, you know, hundreds of years later, the story got lost. Yeah. In a few weeks, Michelle is going to be talking about the power of remembering. And just you guys, you three, just bringing it up. The fact that someone failed to remember, look at where they are now. Mm -hmm. In the story, you know. You know, if I remember what God's done in my life, if I remember who he's been to me, then there's no reason to fear. I mean, and so sometimes you, I got to preach to myself, hey, you've watched God do this and this and this and this, and you've seen him provide in this way and this way and this way. Um, but when we fail to do that, yeah, we act in fear. Yeah. The power of remembering. That's going to be the title of the sermon. Mm -hmm. Man. <laughs> that's gonna be, ask her later yeah that's gonna be really good so you you also talked about the slavery in there and and i really like this because you just told us all right here's what we're going to talk about this morning and you hit um four of them four different types of slavery um first one was political slavery economic slavery social slavery and spiritual slavery and I mean, you hit all of these and, and you're listening to them. And, and unfortunately, we can relate with one side or the other of these slavery situations. Mm -hmm. um, but what was craziest to me is as you're going through them, you get to, to the social slavery and you're talking about essentially killing the, the males of these families that are being born, all the boys that are being born. And, you know, as you're listening to this story, I mean, I've heard it a bazillion times growing up in church, but it's just anytime somebody talks about it, you can't help but ponder how, how could somebody do that? But then you go in the last form of slavery, which is the worst of them all. And I'm sitting there like, what's worse than killing babies, Ray? Come on, Ray. This is the, you know, and you said spiritual slavery. Why is that? And I agree with you, but let's elaborate on it. Yeah, when you're talking about, I mean, we are spiritual beings <laughs> encased in flesh. So think about that. We are spiritual beings encased in flesh. When this body decays, it gives up the spirit 
that God placed in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're the type of leader that wishes to control someone's spirit, then what is there left? <laughs> Once I get the essence of who you are under subjugation, I can do whatever I want to do. Yep. I can say whatever I want to say. You don't have the ability to literally break out of that because it's the type of prison that is in here, mm -hmm. not around you. And so you wonder why, and this is going to be, this is going to be really dark for a moment. You wonder why people sometimes stay in abusive cycles. That's why. It makes sense to you who's on the outside. You just leave. You yeah, don't have to take it. But to the person that's on the inside that has been literally stripped of all of their esteem and confidence and identity, their identity becomes invested in the person that is dictating their will over their lives. And that's what Pharaoh wanted. It's the whole reason why after God would deliver them out of Egypt and they would be in a much better place that they would say it was better for us back there because they had become normal. They, they had become conditioned mm -hmm. to being in that type of life. That's all we've ever known. So I'm just going to stay with what I know. Yep. I, I think, you know, when I, I pondered that a lot too, um, Philip, and, and, and here's where my brain went, right to what you just said, Ray. Um, you can't have killing babies without spiritual slavery because you've got to be convinced yeah. enough that that baby's life or that the essence of that, that, that creation of God doesn't matter, mm -hmm. which is the only way anything can be worse than killing babies. I mean, honestly is the thing that, that is the catalyst that allows that act to happen will always be worse than the act. Mm -hmm. Because if you can stop it back at the catalyst, you don't get to the throwing babies in the Nile. Mm -hmm. You just yeah. don't get there. <laughs> well, and, you know, people want to please other people in their lives. So, you know, Ray, you started off talking about abuse. I mean, how often do I sit with people who say, I have been in this relationship and they describe that relationship to me. And it doesn't matter whether it's a parental relationship to a child or a husband or a wife, a spouse, you know, it's man, woman, whatever. What happens is that the person who is feeling the abuse is trying so hard to make it not happen that they lose themselves and, and they'll find themselves saying, I didn't even know who I was. All as I was trying to do was live in a way that kept me from continually hurting. And, and so when you get to that state, then it's hard sometimes to find your way out. I mean, I think that's why God had to send a leader into Egypt for Israel. I mean, there were how many of them, but none of them, God didn't use any one of them. He brought somebody from the outside who didn't grow up in that same atmosphere right. and to free them yep that is so true that's what happens and the it was the one of them that could have stayed comfortable and right where they were 
because they it could have stayed right. It could have been like, you know what? I don't have to go back and do that. I got out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Kept his mouth shut and continued to live in luxury and opulence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's so easy to see things looking from the outside in, which is why we need community. You can almost identify a person without a community immediately because they're just an echo chamber. They just, all they know is what they know, but somebody else comes in from the outside and your eyes get, your horizons get expanded. Um, towards you know what's funny, Philip? We, we, we are so far from this right now, but how cool is it that God used Moses to be the, the deliverer of his people and then at a later date in time, when Moses was so in, enmeshed in the people that he sent somebody from the outside again to give him wise counsel so that how he was leading wouldn't cost him his life. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is a great thought. Don't even get me started on that one. Wow. <laughs> I never even thought, I've never made that connection before, but it makes perfect sense. It's so easy to see things when you're not wrapped up in it. Yep. Wow. So for our listeners, we have to ask the question, you know, of and when I say this of you guys, we're saying this of ourselves as well, whatever things might be trapping us, we have to bring them into the light by bringing somebody else that's not trapped in to speak truth, you know, a trusted person to speak truth into that situation and to listen to them, you know, you have to be willing to listen as well. Interesting. Wow. Very cool. Um, so speaking of like one of the shocking statistics that you threw out there that, that I, I mean, we know slavery exists today, but we, you know, especially, I, I'm not trying to beat down on Americans, but it feels like in America, we're just not very aware. It's very easy for us to go about our way. 46 million are currently enslaved today. You know, that's not something that used to happen. Those are the ones that are recorded. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. That's, that's, just, that that's the ones heart. we know about. Right. That's the ones we know of. You know, and and like, we can be the people, we are called to be the people who can help free people of those things. And one of the things is addictions, like one of the, that you were talking about, which was porn, you were talking about human trafficking and nobody wants to say, well, I'm a part of human trafficking, but anybody who has clicked on a pornographic, whatever you are contributing you are a part you don't you don't get to um write that write that off and i mean ray that was you brought the heat on that one you could have you could have heard a pin drop in there (laughs) Um, i think too many people don't make that connection Mm -hmm. um you know i don't understand that that whole industry is built on abuse and trafficking and you know, and, and people will say, I mean, I can even remember, you know, growing up in my more liberal thinking years of, you know, well, there, there are people that choose to live these lifestyles. 
you know, what happens to a person that makes them get to that place is pretty frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people don't choose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless there's been a substantial amount of abuse right. to where they feel they have limited to no options. Right. But even then, I would argue that that's not a choice. They've been conditioned into that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because a healthy person who has been raised in an atmosphere of love and respect um, is not going to put themselves in those kinds of situations. They're just not going to. And, and so many of us, I couldn't help but think, but so many people are enslaved in their own ways that they're so focused on themselves. It, it, it's really yeah. easy to get so caught up in what you're caught up in that I don't have the capacity to think about the 46 million. I'm, I'm too busy. And, and that's what Satan will do to you, you know, it is to trap you and make it feel like, just like, you know, the you can't get out of this. This is better. What This is better than trying to free yourself. I mean, Rob, I know you've kind of been open with some things that you've, you've overcome like addictions, but you know, were there times I'd be curious to hear from you where it felt like this is just better to just stay this way. Like, I don't like it, but it's just, at least I know it. These are my friends. Yeah. Especially at the end when it was almost going to, when it was almost over is how I call it, when God was finally going to rip it out. I, I held on to it for a little while out of a sense of, you said it already, normal. This is normal. This is what I, I was trying to figure out how to be a Christian and still live a lifestyle for the first few years. Mm. And I would go six months of conviction and wouldn't do any drinking or anything. And then we'd just be like, you know, well, what's the big deal? You know, and then end up right back in it again. But I would be a little bit better each time. I'm putting that in quotes. Like, you know, I'd be drunk, but I wouldn't be misbehaving quite as bad, you know, Mm. or whatever it was, because it's just this natural unhealthy mechanism in our brain that I I can understand the Israelites standing there in the desert going, well, can't we go back to Egypt? Because the first few (laughs) years, the first few years of me getting clean and sober, it was like, you know what, being able to forget about what's stressing me out, being able to withdraw into that place of kind of like ambiguity in my brain just seemed like a better option. But then I broke out the other side of the fog and all the things that were driving me back into it were being addressed. And I realized, wow. oh, this might be harder some days, but it's better every day. Yeah. And that's the place people have to get to. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, just to it from where I'm sitting. I think, Rob, that's kind of what we were talking about in teaching team. You know, yeah. Dawson's going to talk about in a, in a couple of weeks about it gets worse before it gets better. Exactly. I mean, exactly if you're going to go into counseling, if you're going to get out of addiction, if you're going to, man, you're going to go through a hard time. But when you get to the other side of it, it's so worth it. But if you keep avoiding the pain, whether it's grief or dealing with your addiction or whatever pain you keep stuffing down, it's just going to lengthen the time you're in misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my grandfather died in 1987, the only grandfather I ever knew. Died in 1987. I did not deal with the grief of his death until I was I, I was had sober for the last time in 1994. Wow. Because every time I would get close, 
because he was the only male figure that I had any kind of admiration for at that point. Every time I would get close to dealing with it, I would just, that's, I, that's what triggered most of my re-drinking episodes early in my faith was I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. Nope. Not dealing with that. Nope. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you got to let that pain come in. What the Israelites needed to do is get to the other side of the Red Sea, grieve what they had just gone through. And I think they could have moved forward a lot better, but they never released it. So all they remembered were cucumbers and watermelons and, and all these other crazy things. Um, <laughs> when it got tough. Their dependence was in their captors and tormentors and not in God. And right. so the whole purpose and point of the wilderness was to extract, was to break that relationship with their dependence on their captors and tormentors and put their, and know that God would be a provider for them. But that was such a hard process for them. Yeah. Oh, great. That, that, that statement, God had to break them away from their dependence on their tormentors and their captors. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I, I had a conversation just recently with somebody about grief and I asked them if they had grieved their losses um, because they were dealing with some reoccurring emotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that just really made a connection for me, right? I mean, it just, we get enslaved to these things. They own us. And if we don't allow ourselves, as you said, Rob, to feel the pain and grieve them and get out of them, then these things that are our enemies, they just continue to own us. One that I, this is, I think people will relate to this, but one that most people don't think of is kind of an enslavement to chaos, an enslavement Mm -hmm. to, um, and debt can play a part in this, but just kind of like this tension in your life of things. I have to be busy. I have to be moving. I have to have, you know, like my, I was going through a trauma with a parent passing away, but now they're not passed, you know, now they've passed since, but now I introduce a new chaos into my life. Have you ever met people like that? It's like, they're almost addicted to chaos. Like for Rob, it was alcohol. But for some people, it's like a busyness might be another way to say it, but I'm calling it chaos because as soon as that busyness or that chaos is gone, you're left with your thoughts. And that's why I call it an enslavement. You don't know how to handle being still. You know what? I'm going to say this from a cultural standpoint. So, Philip, you call it chaos. What my culture calls it is drama. Mm-hmm. that you have to have drama in your life to make you feel relevant, whether you're in it, whether you know about it and you're communicating it to others and you're sharing it, you, you, you're just, you're drama addicted. Mm-hmm. That's just a can't have peace. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say, yeah. it I, I have, I have been in that place. Mine has been like busyness, you know, like, Oh, as soon as one kid's old enough, you know, to kind of start taking care of themselves, we need another kid, you know, we need this, we need that we need. And you're like, but what does God tell me? And I'm not saying that every kid that's born is that's what we're doing. But I'm just saying, like, there's a, there's a feeling of I don't know what to do with the silence. And that's how I know. That's when I say it's a problem. It's like, if you don't know how to just sit without the drama, 
So I really say that because I've been through that. I think I'm out of it, but I've been there. I'm a busy personality. <laughs> you know, the cure for those kinds of things, I think, is really coming into the understanding of how loved we are by our Father God. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes can trade that busyness that we did in the world, whether it's like corporate achievement or buying more or doing more things. And then we turn into Christianity and we do the same thing with discipleship. Instead of in discipleship, learning how God loves me and learning how to rest in that love, we look at a whole list of things that we need to do and we begin to try and put notches on our belt in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the cure for all of that is really being able to rest in the love of God. And it, it takes some time to get there. We just, we, we don't come into our, our faith and naturally rest in the love of our father. It takes time. And, and I'm going back to the whole power of remembering thing that you guys were talking about earlier, but it makes me think of debt too you know, mm. paying off a debt, you want to be free of that so bad. And then it's gone. Six months later, you know what we got, we, we, we could go buy that we could, we could do that we can, you know, you, you've forgotten how bad it was. You know what I, yeah. I think I think I can get in there. I can get that new Toyota <laughs> with the brown leather seats. And, the, you know, like you, you, you hated it when you had the debt. You got free, you're like, thank you, Jesus, I'm never doing it. But I'm telling you, at least me, I mean, there's been times in my life, it's not even six months. It's not even six months. <laughs> and you have to remember, man. Mm. That's the, the word you keep saying, remember. Mm -hmm. What did the Israelites do? They didn't remember the right thing. Mm -hmm. God had taken them away from those people that were oppressing them. And instead of remembering the God that did that, they longed, as we've said over and over again, for the people that did it to them. <laughs> instead of the God that removed them from the thing that they had been begging. To, it, it, here's the other thing. It's not that these people were going along going, you know what, God, we were just fine. They were crying out for relief. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Crying out for relief. And God heard them and said, fine, I'll send somebody. We're going to get you out of there. Get them out of there. And, there's, and then they're like, God, bring us back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> give me a watermelon and a leek <laughs> instead of as ray called them what uh fancy chickens <laughs> mm -hmm. yep and whatever kind of kool-aid you were giving them i don't remember what you call it kool-aid pre-cane and kool-aid pre-cane and kool-aid yeah 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 yep. see god was sending the christian chicken even then <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I missed that one. Uh, Chick-fil-A before it was Chick-fil-A. Because <laughs> quail filet don't work right. Uh, it's not the same. It's not, it doesn't have the ring to it. Oh, my gosh. It's true. So you, you also said something in there about, you know, there will be times when we identify with Pharaoh, even. Like right now, we've been talking about the enslaved and how we identify with that. But I mean, what are some ways that, that you could foresee us potentially, you know, identifying with Pharaoh? 
off. You, you, you kicked it off. Where have we allowed fear to rule how we handle, lead, supervise, shepherd, or even care for our kids? Mm -hmm. Yep. Or our coworkers. How have we allowed fear to be an influence mm -hmm. on how we have we oh. have we oppressed? Because we sure can. Mm -hmm. Have we oppressed them? Have we oppressed people economically? Mm -hmm. We're trying to control for our benefit. Oh man, don't even say oh, that. Ray. Oh come on, take that kind come of on, Ray. Ray. Oh, ow, I'm leaving. I mean, where, where, where? I mean, where have we attempted to allow fear to? cause us to mistreat people socially. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you talk to any parent and they will all tell you middle school was the worst. Why? Why was middle school the worst? Mm -hmm. Because it was in that place that you had a lot of individuals that were uncertain of their own identity and was uncomfortable with who they were and so they were doing things to manipulate who? Other, weaker people. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, I've never made the relation to middle school, but that is so true. Oh, I have. Oh, I have all the time. I see it all the time. Well, it, I can I see how you would make that connection better than the rest of us. You're you looking at it all the time. It comes, you know, you watch, you watch, uh, you watch somebody come from a confident, like say a 10-year-old. You take a 10-year-old who's confident in who they are. 11 years old, they're still out of that environment. And you, and you insert them into the, that drama, a word we used before, of trying to figure out, because there's something happening in your brain, I'm not gonna get into all of this, but there's brain development things happening, you know, as puberty's hitting and they're getting into middle school and they are searching for who they are. And what is it that they do? They destroy the person next to them so they don't have to worry about them being exposed or them having to figure out their identity because it's easier to tear apart the other identity. And, and, and again, it's the fear, it's the slavery to fear that yep. sin has brought into this world and, and, and viewed in us outside of the work of the Holy Spirit and, and the re redemption of Christ. Every bully comes from a home or a construct where they were bullied. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Without fail. So if you're a parent and you bully your kids, you rule them with fear. You make them do what you, I mean, you, your point is to break their wheels and all of that stuff. That's what you're sending to school because they need a place where they can actually be and have an outlet from all of the tension that they have in your home. Yep. See, this message wasn't for somebody else. It was for us. Oh, we, we are enslaved. We are enslaved in some shape, form, or fashion. We we just get to figure out, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to what? And, 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 and Ray, to, to go with where I know you also work, it's go to the other side of that coin like Philip started us with. Then we look to enslave others when we have any position of power over them at all out of that weakness. So we're enslaved, so we want to enslave. Until we become free, 
you know, yeah. in the power of the spirit, we're going to continually be tearing someone else down. It's just, it's human nature. And it's a horrific human nature. Mm -hmm. It's sinful human nature. God's human na the nature God wants in us is the opposite. And the one that he puts in us is opposite. So how do we, how do we self-analyze this? I mean, would it be a good idea to thinking out loud here, but to just look at your life and say, am I a free person freeing people or am I an enslaved person enslaving people? You know, what's wow. it like to work with me? What's it like to sit at the dinner table with me? What's it, you know, what's it like to, to be married to me? What's it like to be managed by me? Um, am I a free person freeing people or am I an enslaved person enslaving people? You know, I, I know there's been times in my life that I've looked at my, I, I have a, I'd like to think I have a great relationship with my wife, but there's been times where I've kind of like taken back and been like, hold up. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't phrase that that way. I shouldn't say that that way to you. And even Kristen will say like, oh no, I know you don't mean it like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. You might, I, I, you've been living with me for 20 years. You might not know that this is something that unhealthy that I do and I shouldn't do it. And she's like, well, it, okay, if it bothers you, but it doesn't bother me. I'm like, well, just in case, you know, and we've had that conversation before. Like, I don't want to be doing that because it's really easy as a male in a family to, you know, kind of, you can plow over people and I don't want to be that guy. So, you know, we can ask ourselves those questions and be honest and know that the grace of God is right there for us. It doesn't mean you're, you know, be able to face those problems. You'll let me well, ask how. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Michelle. No. I was just going to say, was... that's not unique to men. Um, we women can plow over people. Um, and, you know, and so it's something where you have to really examine yourself and there's a certain amount of responsibility Yes, we're never going to make everyone happy and we don't want to live in fear trying to make everyone happy, but there is a, a certain way that we need to understand how people are receiving us and make adjustments. Because if, if most people are feeling run over by me, then it's me that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, Philip, when you, when you were asking all of those questions, I was saying, I was thinking to myself, those are great questions, but I think you, we need to make sure that the person that you're asking is someone that you trust. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, someone that has proven over time to care well for you and about you and would tell you exactly, I mean, it's Proverbs that a, a, a trusted friend will wound you with truth. I mean, they're supposed to, you ask for the truth, okay. I mean, when David sought the Lord, he said, search me and show me any unclean way in me. Mm -hmm. David didn't ask Absalom that question. He asked God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. for some of us, that it, what, it, what this could look like is you actually getting really quiet before the Lord. You know, that thing that you don't like to do, mm -hmm. where you literally make sure everything is off, you have a journal in front of you, and you read David's prayer, 
where he says, search me. And you, you say that prayer to God, search me, Lord. And see if there's any, any impure way in me. Yeah, I really like that. And whatever he shows you, write it down. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to point out things for, uh, in other people, but we don't want to get alone with ourselves and, and, and admit that we might have a lot in common with Pharaoh. We might have a lot in common with the Egyptians. And uh, man. Yeah. But the goal the ultimate goal, this is not, you know, we're not discussing this to make everybody feel bad. We're discussing this because we believe that in, in what God has promised is life and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, self-control, the land of milk and honey. I would say that's kind of how it plays out in our lives of, of releasing some of these things that, that are holding on to us so that we can live into the fullness of what God's promised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Um, so you, you also dropped a, a bomb in there, Ray, one more thing, you know, it's black history month and, and I'm glad you said something like that because, um, you know, it just, it needed to be you that said something about that. And I love the way you described it and you brought, you brought that image. Can you just talk about it a little bit for anybody who might've missed it? Sure. The image that I used was a picture that hangs in the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis of uh, Senator, former Senator Jonathan Lewis and James Zerg um, during the Freedom Rides. Um, and they were in Montgomery, Alabama when um, they came upon a crowd of pro-segregationalists and white supremacists that just unleashed hell on the riders of this bus, which happened to be students um, that were multicultural, black, white, and Hispanic. And um, that picture represents so much to me because if we really are passionate, and I'm not talking about we as East Lake, I'm saying we as a nation are passionate about undoing the, the wrongs that were perpetuated over people of color for over 400 years, it's going to take some shedding of blood, some bruised eyes and egos um, in order for us to make that progress forward. And so that picture shows that it's not just a black person or not just a white person, it takes both. And I would love to say that it's going to take all of us to undo it in the areas in which we happen to encounter it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Can I, can, I, can I add to that real quick? Just because, Ray, you did bring up the idea of it. Look, I, I, no, I totally agree with Philip that it needs to be you. I, I love that you said it needs to be us. Mm. Because it can't just be the Black lead pastor. And in a lot of ways, it's really powerful when it's those of us in the majority culture that are willing to speak up. You know, and I shared a, a story in teaching team today that I'll only share a glimpse of, you know, about how we know that we're winning the battle in our house with my daughter. We, we're, we are watching Little House on the Prairie from the beginning all the way to the end as a family. It started when I had COVID a year ago and we're about halfway through. Last night's episode, all I'm going to say is there's an African-American man who is going to be voted into the church congregation and it took multiple votes to finally get there. And at one point they said, they called this man by a derogatory term in the show from 1981. 
this, this derogatory term was uttered. Now, it was uttered to make the point that it wasn't appropriate, but the very fact that it could even be said in a TV show that recent. My daughter came up off the couch and um, she was ready to punch the, the, the actor on the screen for saying it. And I thought about it, and this is why it applies. Yeah, I wasn't going to share this, but this is why it applies. That's the kind of reaction we have to have. Not to punch them, but the anger that lay, leads you to want to punch them. Like, like we talked to June about that. You can't go punch on our TV, you'll break it. <laughs> but, but you also can't go punch in the actress. You've got to figure out how to channel that and bring Christian justice into your battle. But you've got to have that visceral reaction, white or black or Hispanic or Asian or regardless of the race. When we encounter injustice and, and people that want to run from dealing with the injustices of the past, we have to stand up because that's what Moses did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, time yeah. to this That's what Moses did. You're totally from within right. the privileged culture, he came back around and stood up. Mm-hmm. That's why I love that you did that, Ray. I love that illustration. You're totally right, though. It, it, I, I did say I was glad Ray did that, but you're right. It, it should be any of us that, that are speaking into Black History Month. I think what happens to us, it, I'll speak for myself, what happens to me is I don't want to be cliche or rude and jump on a bandwagon. So I don't put a post out or something because I don't want to be, you know, just like, it doesn't mean that I don't care, but I also don't want to just be a bandwagon guy that's just out there talking. And, you know, and, and I'm always in a constant state of analy- self-analyzation of where am I with all this stuff? Am I, am I making forward progress? And am I seeing things? And, you know, it's funny, um, just a quick story. I, yesterday, you guys could tell I got this wild haircut. But uh, Ray, Ray recommended a barber to me that I went to is, is you know, basically all black barbershop um, just because I needed somebody who could do a really good line. But the guy, as he was cutting my hair, he shows me this video. I haven't told any of you guys this. He shows me this rap video and he's like, man, look, see if you recognize anybody in this. You know, he's like taking a break from cutting my hair. He's like, see if you recognize anybody. And it's like a hip hop video. They're, they're singing, they're doing stuff. And I'm looking, I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to see, but I'm looking. I'm looking and he goes, that's George Floyd in the video. Now it was before George Floyd was murdered. It was before he was murdered, but, and it wasn't anything like rude thing or any test to see if I would recognize George Floyd, but I couldn't help but notice here I am in an all black barber shop, if you will. I mean, it'd be a multicultural barber shop, but it culturally in America, that's kind of what it would be perceived as. And Anybody else in the room who saw that video that was not white probably would have immediately known that was George Floyd because they recognized that face. And I didn't. And I was sitting in there and thinking, you know, I don't want to be a bandwagon guy. I need to understand this culture so well that I would be. And I'm not like beating myself up. It was just really interesting to me that like that. It was just I, I don't really know how to say it other than that it was really interesting. And it showed I walked away from that saying, I want to be more aware and feel more personal about things so much that I would recognize that face. And I'm not saying that you have to as a person, but I want to, I want to be in that place. I don't know. What do you think about that? Right. Am I crazy or, <laughs> or any no, of you guys? Uh, you, you, you know, I realized something over the last, uh, Oh, several decades, because this is where God has had me. And by that, I mean, 
He's had me swimming in majority culture church and world. And I'm gonna honestly tell you something. My life has benefited because of it. Um, just the experiences and the enrichment. Um, this, this year for, um, for New Year's, I, I was exposed to Michelle's culture. I've never been exposed to, you know, true German culture to the extent that you're eating mashed potatoes with sauerkraut on top of it. I mean, but it was a pleasurable experience. It really was. Um, and I have, I have, I mean, I have catalogs of experiences. I mean, right now I'm sitting in front of my, um, my desktop monitor that is much bigger than my laptop. And these pictures keep scrolling and I'm looking at the diversity in the pictures and I'm just like, man, God, you have really made my life quite interesting. Um, rather than just being monochromatic culture. Um, <clears throat> and so Philip, you, you, you got a sample of that by going to a black barbershop. But Rob got a sample of that the first time he took Jacob to one. Oh. And it is, it, I mean, a, a black, going into a black barbershop is a cultural experience on levels you don't even know. Why? Because people that, African-Americans that go to a barbershop, whether it's a male or female, you don't go there just to get your hair cut. Mm -mm. No, no, no. You, you go there so they can speak life into your children, you find out all the things about sports, what's going on in culture, in politics. I mean, people are talking about how's your mama doing. It, it's it's a big deal to go to the barbershop. And no one goes in there for just 30 minutes. I mean, great clips and whatever clips, you go on there, you get your cut, you get up, you get out, you give them their, you give them their money and you're gone. It doesn't happen like that in a black barbershop or a beauty salon. You're walking in as family. And Philip, you articulate this very well regularly at Eastlake from the platform. You tell the people in the audience, if you're here, you're family. Mm -hmm. You're comfortable. Mm -hmm. and I, I pray that that translates week after week that people do actually feel like they're family, that they're welcome there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it is a cultural experience. Well, you know, and, and everybody was so friendly to me in that culture and welcoming me. And I mean, the dude wasn't like hard on me, like you didn't recognize this. But for me, and I don't I don't know that's like something wrong with me, but it's more of me wanting to challenge myself. I should say that, that I want to be able to, you know, interact in that culture and feel comfortable, if that makes sense. I don't want it to be weird that I go. And so I told him, I was like, because whenever I do have my hair shaved, I go about every two weeks. I was like, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. You know, I want to, I want to be able to feel comfortable in these different cultures. So it's not necessarily that I walked away thinking like, shame on me. It was more of like, ah, you know, I, I don't understand. It's challenged, <laughs> which is different than what you're saying. It's challenged, Philip. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, our, our Ray reference, you know, Rob learned, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned don't go in the first time and send your son out to the car before you both walk in at the same time. Um, unless you really want to get a feeling for being on the other side of what I have been on the other side of most of my life. When I'm the only white man sitting in there and my son came in and sat on the opposite side from me. And I had a room full of people looking at the bald white guy going, what's he doing here? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean that, like, legit, I, I was uncomfortable and I'm like, God, what are you doing? And all of a sudden it dawned on me. And I called Jacob over to me. 
And as soon as I was Jacob's dad, oh, he's cool. Conversation changed. They start talking to me, started asking me, you know, where we're from. Did we just move here? You know, all this other craziness. But I felt very welcome. But just the minute like, it wasn't weird that I was there. Mm -hmm. Uh oh, Michelle's well, muted. Michelle's muted. She's saying something. Yeah. I, sorry. My dogs were howling. I don't know if you heard that before I put the mute on, but a whole bunch of fire trucks were going in. So my dogs were howling. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was saying, Rob, I, I mean, to be fair, any yeah. barbershop you go into, they are wondering, why are you there? <laughs> what's the bald white guy doing here? You know, I'm sure. Yeah, what's just the bald guy doing there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he came to get his eyebrows. Now, to be back. fair, I had more of a beard. I could have been in there for a trim. You could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not even that these are like racial, like fighting things that I'm discussing, but it, there's an there's an interesting cultural experience that's happening there. So people who would who would make the statement that, you know, you guys, that's that's old racism doesn't exist or like racial. OK, I'll say this racial divides don't exist. You just need to go somewhere where you're the minority once and you'll feel it. Just go go somewhere where you're the minority and you will at least be able to say racial divides exist. It's just weird. Now you could also say you put me in a women's clothing store and I'm gonna feel awkward there too. So I'm, but I'm just saying like anything, but I should feel awkward there. Thank you. But in some of these cultural things, that's the walls that we wanna tear down. We wanna tear down those walls and, and become more comfortable and, you know, and more in community than we wanna just be over the top. I mean, if I get to heaven, it's like, hey, you tried too hard, then so be it, right? You know, it <laughs> being multicultural. And I'm going to add one more before we, I'm going to add one more, Philip. As, as a white man who was often out with my black son, if I had any illusions before, they have been dispelled in the 16 years that I've had my son in my life as a blessing. Because I have watched my son treated differently. I've seen it. I mean, I have a lot of white friends that get mad at me and tell me, oh, if you didn't have a black son, you wouldn't care. And it's kind of like, well, I hope I would have. But the very fact is I do care because I see it happen to my own son. Yeah. Like, can we appeal to that level? And, and, and again, it's not overt racism in most cases anymore, like it maybe was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But there's still a need to move the ball forward a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had to have a conversation with my son who got his license yesterday that any all of my white woo woo. parents did not have to talk about. Mm -hmm. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay. He went out for the first time yesterday at Walmart and the entire time he was gone. I'm sitting in this office going, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> like praying, oh, dear Lord. Bring him back. I mean, everybody prays that. But I had a couple things on my mind that I know that no, my parents didn't have on their mind when I left for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, this is a really, really good conversation. And uh, it is Black History Month. And we are in a series um, that talks about all kinds of slavery, um, spiritual, all kinds of things. This was a verse from this morning that we might have even said on this podcast. But um, John 418, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment one who fears is not made perfect in love 
I, I just read that this morning and it's just kind of odd that that was on, on the docket for today. And uh, maybe I needed to hear that. Maybe you needed to hear that as listeners, but um, let's all keep moving forward and, and uh, growing in God and growing in love with each other. And uh, we will see you guys coming up on Sunday. All right. Sunday. East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far.